Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we dive right into today's jam-packed episode of the Hockeypedia cast, I did want to touch on a couple of pressing housekeeping notes now that it's October 1st and the regular season is starting up this week. Uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, over the past couple weeks, you may have noticed that I've parted ways with Sportsnet this season. Now, how that affects yourself personally in terms of being a listener of the show and the PDO cast moving forward, the answer is uh, not much really. We're going to still keep cranking out the show, hopefully two to three times a week uh, as the season gets going going to have the same great guests on and if you've been enjoying the show over the past couple of years hopefully uh nothing's really going to change now obviously with it being a bit of a tumultuous time and me kind of going out on my own uh all support from you guys is even more so greatly appreciated so if you can take the time to share the show to leave positive ratings and reviews on itunes tell your friends about it steal their phones and subscribe to the show um all of that is obviously going to go a long way towards keeping the show up and running and uh making it successful um now with it being the first week of the season uh you know, it's a great time for obviously preview content and, and doing fun stuff. So on this show, uh, on today's episode, we're doing the watchability rankings, which people love on an annual basis. We're going to be doing the positional rankings with Andrew Berkshire uh, coming up here, and hopefully we're going to do some other fun preview stuff. Uh, in terms of other work, you can go on Reddit. I'm doing, depending on when you're listening to this, on Monday afternoon, October 1st, I'm going to be doing an AMA up there. So um even if you're listening to this after the fact, I'm sure you can check it out and read some of the questions and answers, and hopefully you'll enjoy that. I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of uh, projections and previews and predictions and all that good stuff there. And the other thing is um, I've partnered up with FanDuel this season, and we're going to be doing weekly listener contests, kind of like we did for stretches last year, where on a given day you basically look at that um, – day's slate of action and you just pick a lineup that fits under the cap and you go head to head against myself and other fellow listeners now we're gonna do that for week one here um actually for the first day of the season on wednesday there's only four games but it'll be still a fun slate and the fact that the regular season's here is is pretty exciting so i wanted to get that going so i'll be tweeting out the link to that but in the meantime if you do want to uh get in there and lock up your spot because i believe there's only 20 openings uh feel free to either tweet at me or, or dm me on twitter and i'll make sure to pass on a personalized link to you in the meantime if you haven't subscribed to fanduel just go to fanduel.com pdo 
and sign up and i believe you get twenty dollars off your first deposit twenty dollars in addition to your first deposit which is a pretty good deal and with that said um now that it is a new season and there's new beginnings uh, i decided to give the hockey pdo cast a bit of a facelift so our good friend chris bradford has gone ahead and given us some new artwork which i'm sure you're going to notice if you uh follow at pdo cast on twitter or if you are looking at your itunes or soundcloud or wherever you tend to listen to this podcast um he obviously has done the past couple renditions for us and i'm a big fan of this latest one he's told me that i am sitting in the press box in the penalty box there with uh friends of the podcast jf barube and pa parento so for those of you that listen for a long time you're probably gonna get a kick out of that and also the other thing is um as you're about to hear here we have a new intro song and a new outro song for the pdo cast um i know it's a bit of a change we've had the same one for the past three years but i figured it was time for to mix things up a little bit so i had my good friend ken jogia from the band St. Ivory, go ahead and cook some stuff up for us. So hopefully you're going to enjoy that and you're about to hear it. So with that said, let's get into today's show. PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Sean McIndoe, who I feel like I haven't had on the show in way too long. I feel like it's been over a year and a half or so. So, Sean, what's going on, man? Hey, not too much. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you back on a podcast. I feel like it's been a while since I've gotten to hear you on one of these things. Yeah, it probably has been. So, ever mm. ever since I was cruelly abandoned by my <laughs> podcasting partner, I, uh, yeah, no, it's good. Uh, good to be back Dave in Lozo. it. That damn Dave Lozo. Um, damn. So I'm excited for today's show because obviously having you on is one great thing. But the other thing is we're doing our annual um, watchability rankings here in the Hockey PDO cast. And it's kind of typically been one of my personal favorites to do over the years. Um, I've done it in the past with Jeff Merrick and I think Craig Custance last year. And um, I figured you'd be a good person to have on to uh, help to kind of guide our way through this and try to figure out where we stand I, I was talking to you before we started recording and it really you know kind of noted it's kind of like the actual nhl but there's like a bottom tier of four or five teams that are very clearly going to be the least watchable a handful that are very eminently watchable and near the top and then it's just i don't know like a 25 team middle it's it's, it's pretty bonkers how um i guess it's going to be kind of personal preference what we do there in the middle that is i mean that's the nhl today it's the 25 team middle <laughs> and if you're you're in there somewhere but yeah and you know this is it's it's interesting to me because i've i've heard your your shows where you've done it in the past i i think everyone has their own view of what it is to be watchable and right. and the thing that i really found when i sat down to make this list what what surprised me a little bit is the the difference and the distinction between a team being interesting and a team being watchable and and obviously there there are some teams that are certainly both of those things, uh, but there are also teams to me that are are very very interesting in the big picture this year, uh, and and you know where the the to to 
to see how their season plays out and what sort of decisions they make as an organization and uh, and who develops and who doesn't and who stays and who goes and, and all of that is very interesting and yet I have little to no desire to actually invest three hours a night watching them yeah and uh, uh, you know that's and and so I'm I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sort of saying that to to in anticipation that I, I'm sure there are some teams that people might be surprised rank somewhat low on my list because they'll say, but you know, that's, that team's going to be fascinating. Yeah, they might be fascinating. Isn't necessarily the same as watchable, even though you might, you might think uh, that there's going to be more overlap there than there really is. Yeah, no, we don't want to, uh, there's certain teams where we don't necessarily want to devote two, three hours a night to watching them. We kind of want like a weekly progress report and that's about it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I was uh, I, on Friday night there, we had a, an event for, for the athletic here in, in Ottawa and we were talking to some fans. And one of the questions was like, how, what do you do when your team is, is not expected to be very good? And, you know, I can, I, I, I suppose I should probably take it personally that that was aimed at me as a, as a Maple Leafs fan, <laughs> as if I would have expertise there, but I did. And, you know, my advice was, among other things, you don't actually have to watch the games. Like you can be a good fan and be interested and be knowledgeable uh, and be intelligent and yet not devote three hours, three times a week to sitting there and watching a team that you don't enjoy watching. Uh, and that's probably not the sort of advice that certain teams and, and, and the league itself would, would want me to put out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, as hockey fans, sometimes we wind up just watching teams out of force of habit because it's what we're, we're supposed to do. Um, you know, I, Find find something else to do, or flip the channel and and watch a team that's that's maybe a little more interesting on a night to night basis. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I think the other thing we should point out here is that there might not also there's a big difference between um, watchability and us saying the team is actually going to be good as well. And right. we're going to get into a few of them. I think like the Islanders are a great example of that. Particularly, I mean, last season where they were, you could make an argument they were the most watchable team in the league just because it seemed like every game they played would wind up being like some sort of a six three or six four affair with with wacky twists and turns. But they obviously weren't very successful and didn't make the playoffs. So there's a little bit of that, and and it's it's good that we do get into that methodology here because I know that everyone's going to have their own definition and. Um, you know, there's going to be obviously people who disagree with us wholeheartedly that we have their team too low. And I feel like very few teams are going to yeah. be like, oh, you guys are way too high on our team. I'd, I'd have it quite a bit lower myself. Yeah. But everybody, you know, your your own team is always your number one most watchable team. And, yes. And we get that. But we're trying to we're trying to step back and uh, see see some forest instead of instead of just trees here. Right. And the way I approach this was and then, you know, we do have nights on the on the calendar like generally Saturday nights are pretty hectic where there's like seven or eight games going on at once. But I'm just going through this from the perspective of, let's say all the teams are playing at the same time um, and you have your chance on Game Center to watch any of them. Sort of in which order would you prioritize checking these teams out, all things being equal. So um, with that said, let's get it, let's get it started. I, um, I'll kick us off here at 31. I very clearly had the Ottawa Senators here. I don't know. Do you, do you disagree with that or do you have them a bit higher? I, you know, I had them 31 as well. I, I don't know if I'd say very clearly. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're my 31. And, and I, I mean, maybe I gave that away a little bit with my sort of preamble because I, I do think if we were doing rankings of the most fascinating teams for this year, I would have the Ottawa Senators easily in my top five. I I am I, I cannot wait to see 
how the season plays out, I, I can't wait. I mean, obviously, it's been well documented, all the kind of off-ice drama and, and, and nonsense that went on with this team for the last 12 months, and especially over the summer. Um, but, you know, just, just even beyond that, you know, who, who, who do they re-sign? Who do they trade? They've got big names that they could trade. You, you've got this whole situation with a coach who's being told not to coach the way that he wants to coach, and and is he on the hot seat? You, you have to imagine he is, and and uh, just just all the other stuff going on. I think this is a really, really interesting storyline, and maybe an interesting soap opera to watch over the course of the year. I just don't think that's going to translate very many nights to wanting to sit down and and invest those three hours in watching them. I mean, this is this is a team that, you know, 15 months ago or whatever it was, when they were one goal away from the Stanley Cup final and everything was going great, even back then, people were watching this team going, oh my God, these guys are boring. This this is, I mean, that was a whole thing here in Ottawa that, that people got very frustrated because the outside world was watching this team for the first time and their reaction was was how dull they were. And that was when they were good. So, I mean, to imagine, you know, Guy Boucher coaching for his job with a bad team, uh, I, I don't think it's going to add up to a to a super high entertainment value. And even if even if they do, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of the one voice in the wilderness that thinks that maybe this team could be a little bit better than people think. But even if they are, I, I, I mean, I, I think that's they're going to do that by playing Guy Boucher hockey and, and boring everyone to death. And, and I just don't there, there's pieces here that I want to see. Uh, but there's it, it doesn't add up to to something that I think is going to rank very high on on too many lists of of watchable hockey. Well, yeah, and I think that um, that competency you refer to there might actually be to their detriment in this case, just because you know you can make the argument, wow, if things really fall apart here, there could be a bit of a train wreck factor where it's like, oh, you you kind of can look away, and everyone's going to be talking about it on Twitter, and you want to be part of the fun. But I think like I don't think these games, at least to begin are going to be necessarily even that exciting or that open it just seems like there's going to be kind of a slog and i'm kind of curious for your take on this um you know as a philosophical thing when you're doing these rankings like how much emphasis are you placing on individual superstar factor because i know like last year when i was doing this with craig um i'm i think i maybe value it uh, maybe a bit too much or quite a bit because obviously unlike with a game like basketball for example you know any star is not necessarily going to be out there that often and if you're tuning into a game just to watch one guy there could be a lot of stretches of the game where you're sorely disappointed but at the same time like with this Ottawa team um, as much as I love watching Mark Stone do his thing in the neutral zone or a potential end-to-end rush from Matt Duchesne while he's still on this team um, it doesn't necessarily like you take away that one superstar and Eric Carlson, and all of a sudden, it's just you, there's it's a bit of a kind of empty husk around it, and there's not much to really necessarily fully invest yourself in with this team. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I I agree. There are a handful of players. There's a handful of superstars in this league that I will watch a game just just for that player, and there's also a handful of of younger guys who may or may not project to that level that I'm I'm curious to to watch. Uh, but yeah, you're right. There's there's not a lot of that on the Senators, and and you know for for both them and and some other teams on the list, is there that train wreck factor? Yeah, there is. But the thing about train wrecks is you don't actually want to watch them as they're happening. You know, they're they're even even if Craig Anderson has another season like last year, and this team's losing seven to one every night. Okay, uh, I mean right. th- that that makes them interesting from the big picture. But again, do you want to sit there and? 
sit there and watch it. I mean, maybe if the building's half empty and the fans that are there chanting for, you know, Eugene Melnick sucks and, and all of this stuff. And it really, you know, there's this atmosphere that this, there, there really is a disaster brewing here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe then that becomes something you can't look away from, but I don't think that it gets there. And even if it does, I, I think that's the sort of stuff that's, that's more fun to argue about the next morning than it is to, to watch uh, yeah. as it's playing out. I think that's fair. Um, okay. So we both have Ottawa at 31. Um, and you know, it, in their defense, I believe uh, Craig and I last year had, the Vegas Golden Knights, either at like 31 or 30, or we were really, really low on them. And then quickly, as the season started, we were like, wow, we were horribly wrong. So uh, there's always yeah. room for growth here. Oh, we'll be, yeah, we'll be wrong about a lot of these teams. Yes. So. Um, well, that's the thing. We haven't really necessarily seen the latest incarnations in the play, so we're doing a bit of a guessing game here. Um, okay, so let's get into uh, the top 30 here then. Uh, who do you have after the Ottawa Senators on your list? So after the Senators, I, I stayed in the Atlantic. I've got Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar situation, not, not as interesting a team to me as as far as the big picture but a team that seems to have reluctantly kind of embraced the idea of 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 doing a bit of a rebuild and taking a step back and uh not a lot of star power there and uh just just not a team that uh i see an awful lot that you know i I, i'd like to watch philip zadina a little bit i'd like to see uh you know what what dylan larkin can do if he can kind of move to that next tier um but not not a lot here that really grabs me yeah, that's true, and obviously, um, you know, it's kind of a bit of a bummer that Zadina will start the year in the AHL, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to see him up shortly and at some point here. Um, yeah, no, it, the thing with Detroit, it's interesting, and, you know, we do have to have teams here in the 30-29 mark, and that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have any uh, redeeming factors, but with them, like, there's certain guys, like you mentioned there, with, you know, Mantha and Larkin and Zadina and Rasmussen and and so they have some young forwards and I'm very curious to see their development and progression and what they look like at this level at the same time um, another thing that I find myself coming back to a lot is teams with bad blue lines are generally pretty unwatchable just because like when hockey's played at its best it's a beautiful free-flowing transition game where you're going end-to-end and when you have a team that can't really get out of its own zone because you know they had have Nicholas Cronwall trying to pass it out and just banking it off the boards and turning it over it just winds up being kind of this ugly neutral zone affair and I don't typically prefer watching those types of games so with a team like Detroit um, that really kind of docks them quite a bit in my books I had Adam 29 personally I had the Canucks at 30 but um, I I definitely see your argument for why uh, you would have them yeah I I actually had the Canucks up a a bit higher I don't uh, I had them towards the bottom of my middle tier. I don't know exactly when that probably in the mid twenties or so, just because it, it, with, with them, it's a very similar situation. Uh, it's just with, with a couple of their younger guys, specifically Brock Besser, specifically Elias Peterson. Mm-hmm. Those are guys that, you know, I, I want to watch a little bit more because I feel like under, if things break right, those could be top tier guys. There's a lot of, a lot of teams where they say, well, we got a lot of prospects and it's like middle six guys, and that's good. And you need those guys, and you can't build a winner without having those guys. But, you know, do do I want to sit down and watch to see if this guy is going to be a top nine or a top six? Uh, you know that that's that's more something you can you can step back and do in the bigger picture. Whereas some of these guys, there is this element of yeah, they, these might be special players, and and I you know I'm I'm not convinced that the Vancouver is as close to. 
being where they want to be as as maybe some of their fans are but i've i've got them a little bit higher just because i I do think they've got two guys that could be special and uh, i'm curious to to sort of watch and and see them up close and and see if they're if they're at that level yeah that's fair i mean we obviously saw what Besser is capable of last year when he was healthy and pedersen has been the uh you know, as as exciting as advertised in the preseason and has kind of been the breakout star in terms of, uh, it seems like every time the Canucks are playing, there's a new uh, gif of him do- embarrassing someone and doing something ridiculous with a puck on a stick. But I've also watched some of the other portions of those games, and man, this team has a chance to uh, to be abhorrently bad. And I wonder, maybe, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe just those two guys alone and just watching them um, ascend might be enough to kind of wade through everything else. But I feel like, this is still a team that weirdly um, sees itself as being more competitive than it has any right to do so on a, a kind of objective manner. And there's going to be a lot of Brandon Sutter jammed down our throats and a lot of JB. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I just, well, you don't, just, you just don't want to watch that. Just play Pedersen 20 minutes. Let's just see that. You don't want to watch that $9 million fourth <laughs> line in action. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, the, but the, the, the Canucks are, you know, and I'll kind of agree with you here. That and there's other teams on my list that I think fit into this category where you talk about watch. Even even watching a team can mean different things. There is watching the team where you're sitting in front of the screen and you're just your eyes are glued to it for three hours. And then you got the teams where it's like you're watching the game in the sense that you got the game on, but you got the laptop open. You're doing a few other things, and then you hear certain names and you kind of look up at the screen. And and you're right, the Canucks are kind of that team where. If you hear Pedersen, if you hear Besser, that's when you look up and you watch that shift. And then when you hear Sutter or whoever, or Beagle, the, the, the eyes go back down and, and you kind of check out for a couple of minutes until the good guys are back on the ice. Yeah. Do you know, because um, I do live here in Vancouver and I, I actually live really close to the to the rink. Um, last I checked, the two people they were advertising as kind of like the big faces of the franchise on the, on the building outside of it when you drive by were... Uh, Brandon Sutter and Troy Stetcher. Wow. So, um, yeah, I know things aren't, I might things have aren't to great move the Canucks for down the Canucks. a few spots just yeah. based on that. That's... <laughs> Face of the franchise, Brandon Sutter. I mean, he's no Mark Borowiecki, of course, talking, doing uh, sit-down videos with the owner, but it's uh, it's still not great. Um, okay, so we've talked about the Red Wings and the Canucks here and the Senators. So who do you? So you had Detroit at thirty. Who do you have at twenty-nine then? Yeah, so I had twenty-nine, and and this is where. I start to get into kind of a traffic jam, but I have the New York Rangers. Um, again, rebuilding team. They seem they accept it. They understand it. More talent there certainly than than some other teams. Partly because they haven't really done the teardown. I think they're going to be more interesting to me as the season goes on and and we get closer to the deadline because I think they have the potential to be uh, you know, among the biggest players there. But just early on, I mean, th- this doesn't seem like a team that really has its sights set on a playoff spot. And it's it's kind of, in, in a sense, I like Henrik Lundqvist a lot, but a, a rebuilding team with a great goaltender can sometimes be the worst possible combination because that's that's how you get a whole bunch of those sort of 2-1 uh, low-scoring games. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, more more interesting to me in the big picture than than they are on a night-to-night basis. No, I definitely agree with that, especially after what we saw from them last year and sort of the fact that they do actually, unlike a team like the Canucks, for example, they seem kind of content with 
embracing this rebuild and with the letter they sent their fans and how they operated the traded line in the summer and so it seems like as the year goes along and maybe they trade away a Matt Zuccarello or they trade whoever else that doesn't have a long-term future on this team there's going to be openings for some of these young guys to potentially kind of grab our attention I'm kind of curious uh, it seems like uh, you know obviously with a new coach that's a potential factor where there were so many reasons to quibble with the system Alain Vigneault was deploying and sort of how he was utilizing his guys and it seemed like you know, like most NHL coaches, anytime a, a young guy would make a mistake, they'd get benched, and you hate to see that. So hopefully, with the new coach, maybe uh, they'll be a bit more, a bit more fun or a bit more progressive. And there is the Henrik Lundqvist factor from a potentially kind of homicidal perspective, where you could see uh, him just absolutely losing his mind and murdering his teammates at some point. And you might might be one of those things where you need to be able to quickly flip over to a Rangers game if that's happening. That that would be <laughs> that would be good to say. I, I every every now and then, I I just. Not even suggest, but I, I just in passing will make reference to the possibility of Henrik Lundqvist being traded someday, and Ranger fans will flood my mentions and tell me it's absolutely impossible. And and if I understood anything about this team, I would know that there was just no possible way that a rebuilding team would ever trade a goaltender in his mid thirties with a massive contract for for several more years. I'm I'm not totally convinced. I just you know I'm 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 just leaving it out there so that if someday it happens. And somebody says nobody ever thought this would happen. That uh, uh, you know, uh, point maybe, back to this. maybe not. Yeah, yeah. someday. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, there, there there are definitely guys like the problem with this team is similar to what I said with the Red Wings, where unless Kevin Shattenkirk really has a dramatic uh, bounce back season, which is certainly possible, it sounds like he's healthy now, and there's no reason to believe he completely just fell off the map in one season. Um, but beyond him, there aren't too many puck movers in that blue line, so it could be a bit of a a bit of a slog for them. But like I said, if uh, if they're finally going to play a battle with Bucinevich enough and play him on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and they have some of these young guys with Heedle and, and Leah Sanderson, uh, former first-round picks that are making the team. So there's reasons for optimism. Um, but you're right. I think on a night-to-night basis, um, I, I, I actually had them 29 myself. So uh, we're in lockstep there. Um, who'd, uh, so so now we're getting into kind of a, a bit of a logjam here. Do you want to get into a few of those teams? Yeah, I, I guess we, we can sort of jump in because this is the part on my list where I start hitting some teams from last year's playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the the first team, which is to say the lowest team from, from last year's playoffs to me is the Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, six straight years of making the playoffs, six straight years of not really doing much once they get to the playoffs. Uh, they, they bring in a new GM. That GM basically doesn't do much of anything uh and and i know i've I've mentioned that before and i had wild fans push back on me and say like well what's what's paul fenton supposed to do if if the if a deal isn't there it's not there he can't you know that the old cliche about you don't make trade just for the sake of making a trade and i get that and i understand it's uh you know it can be hard to break up a roster but i just i i don't see anything in this team that makes me think that they're going to be anything other than kind of the the archetypal middle of the pack team that maybe makes the playoffs and maybe doesn't but but doesn't really matter all that much once they get there yeah no i think that's definitely fair i mean that central division is going to be an absolute slugfest and um i think i think minnesota's pretty good um they similarly don't necessarily have uh you know an obvious superstar they're going to be tuning in to watch they have a bunch of really sort of 
lower tier interesting players like I, I do love watching Mikael Granlund play when he when he's cooking with the pockets it's, it's really fun to watch and you know they, they definitely have a very effective players in in Jason Zucker and you know Niederreiter and so on and so forth but they don't have that kind of signature guy like who's even the most exciting player to watch on this team like it might yep. be like a, a, a Matt Dunbar or Jared Spurgeon <laughs> rush out of their own zone with a puck like it's 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 they're one of those teams that I think could be very effective, but might not necessarily yeah. be, you know, super attention grabbing or super um, exciting to watch on a night to night basis. I'm not, I'm not flipping any channels for Jared Spurgeon. So, yeah, I mean, they, they could be, they could be a hundred point team. Yeah. That, that, that just, you know, they're not, I mean, kind of like the, they've been the past few years where yep. they've been no, exactly. Dead, but, that's, yeah. that's it. I mean, I just, I feel like, you know, th- this is a team that is, we've, we've seen this, we we kind of know what to expect. Maybe not. I mean, and Lord knows we could say this about any team on our list in today's NHL. Anyone who acts like they know for sure what's going to happen uh, hasn't been paying attention because there, there's there's always going to be teams we're radically wrong about one direction or the other. But I just yeah, I feel like with the Wild, I you know I've seen it. I I know what to expect. That this is this is kind of the same team that it's been for the last little while, and I I don't see a lot to get excited about. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um... I have um, I'm, okay, I'm I'm perfectly cool with where we have Minnesota on this list. I have uh, I have the New Jersey Devils next. Yep, I, I have them after the Wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, let, let's I, I'm I'm kind of curious where you're at on this because I had the Devils and the Colorado Avalanche kind of close. I have the Avalanche a few spots higher, but those to me like those two teams are kind of connected in the sense that you got one team in each conference that went from dead last into the playoffs shocked everybody had the mvp candidate snuck in as a wild card went out quickly in the first round and and now most people seem to think about the same maybe a step back um i've got it colorado a little higher just because i you know that i i think maybe a little bit more of that star power up front but uh, you know I, I think you can flip back and forth on those two teams did you did you have them similar or is there a gap I think there's a bit of a gap like I you know if we're getting I I, I guess we're at like 26 now with with New Jersey I'd have Colorado um, maybe like around the 21 22 range I get like they're definitely in this little tier here I would say you know with the team like Colorado and this is kind of random um, observations but I think they do kind of tie into this into this list, especially when you're nitpicking. It's like it does feel like at least home games for Colorado might be more watchable. I don't know why, but it always feels like those games sometimes, um, maybe because of the altitude or, or what's going on, are always a bit wacky. I do like their jerseys quite a bit. Um, they're if you're watching their home broadcast on altitude, they're the biggest homers in the league at this side of Jack Edwards, and I actually enjoy that. It's like they've got John Michael Isles wearing tuxedos and randomly losing his mind at. at calls that he feels like went against the Colorado Avalanche so like there's like little like kind of um endearing things for me just as a as a hockey nerd that watches way too many games that it's kind of stuck out to me last year which would bump them up this list a little bit and obviously Nathan McKinnon himself and you know you could certainly make the same case for the Devils and, and Taylor Hall it's like those guys are among the amongst a handful of players in the league that actually do move the needle in terms of watchability because it's like every time they're on the ice it's it's a highlight reel waiting to happen and just the power and speed that they that they play with is breathtaking and kind of hockey at its best. So I have the Devils just because beyond Hall, um, like I like Nico Hischier quite a bit and he's really fun to watch, but if they're going to be playing on the same line, there's going to be 
like two-thirds of New Jersey Devils games where I don't necessarily really feel like tuning in, whereas with the Colorado Avalanche, at least they can spread it out a little bit. And um, that's kind of the differentiating factor between those two teams for me. Yeah, and I am, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, Philip Grubauer does as well as a starter because I, I think he will be, uh, if, if not immediately, pretty quickly uh, the starter in Colorado. And I'm, I'm sort of curious to see that, which is why I had them a couple of spots up, but uh, I, not not much further. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor, and when we get back, and this is what we call a tease in the industry, I'm going to uh, I'm going to blow people's minds a little bit with uh, a team that I have at at 25 that in years past would have been shocking to think of. Sponsoring today's episode of the Hockey PDO Cast is SeatGeek. Getting tickets can be far too complicated. There's hundreds of websites out there with varying levels of reliability, and it's ultimately hard to know who to trust. And that's why SeatGeek's the way to go because they essentially our one-stop shop for you doing all the heavy lifting to save you time and money. Um, They scour the web for you, pulling millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. They put it all on this easy-to-use color-coded map that uh, grades all the seats based on the value they're providing to you and best bang for your buck, and then depending on where you want to sit and how much you're willing to pay, you just pick whatever suits your needs and within a matter of clicks and just a few seconds, you'll be checked out and good to go and ready to go to your uh, your sporting event of, choos- of your choosing. And the best part is, well, it's twofold. One is that this is a great time of year to be using SeatGeek if you haven't already because we're getting into this sweet spot of the sports calendar with basketball and hockey starting, with MLB playoffs, with the NFL season in full swing. So there's so much goodness to choose from. And the second is that as my listener today, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to claim that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code PDO today. That's promo code PDO for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now let's get back to Sean McIndoe, the watchability rankings, and the hockey PDO cast. Okay, Sean. Um, I have the Chicago Blackhawks at 25. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i looking at my list. I had them, I want to say about 20th, mm. so... Not uh, I, I had him a little bit higher, and and part of that is on me because I, uh, I, I I have trouble letting go sometimes, and I'm having trouble letting go of the Chicago Blackhawks as being a not not a not a top tier team. I'm not you know I'm not picking them to to win the Central or anything, but uh, you know there there are still a lot of names there. I think there's there's there there is the potential, and and obviously still the star power. You know, Patrick Kane's a guy that you're going to watch no matter what. But uh, yeah, I. I I had them higher, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, I mean, obviously for like years there, if we were doing this exercise, that would have been a lock as a top five, definitely top ten team. I, I, it's beyond the Patrick Kane, and like I like Nick Schmaltz quite a bit. I like Alex Debrinkat. I'm not necessarily sure I'm tuning in to watch Jonathan Taves at this point. Although, even when he was at his peak, I'd argue that people weren't necessarily tuning in just to watch him play. Um, but yeah, it's this, this team beyond that. I mean, on the margins, it's it's pretty bleak. And on the blue line, they're just asking for so much from Duncan Keith at this point of his career that I don't think he has, you know, enough in the tank left to support that or or, or merit that. And you know, hopefully, a guy like Henry Jokaharju is going to be able to step up. But beyond that, it's the blue line's really bad. Um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Cam Ward on this team. Hopefully, uh, Corey Crawford can make a healthy and speedy recovery and eventually get back and. Maybe that's going to help this team out quite a bit, but be, it's, I don't know. I, I I think a lot of it is name value and sort of living in the past if if people are having them beyond, like if they're if you're having them in the teens on this list, I think um, 
it's time to kind of recalibrate a little bit because just purely based on paper, I don't think the the names and the talent level on this team warrants it anymore. Yep. Uh, and and I've got at uh, I, I'll skip one team. We'll come back to them. I, I've got at twenty five on my list another team that i think falls into that category which is the anaheim ducks who who kind of feel to me even before the Corey perry injury situation have felt to me like they were potentially this year's blackhawks in terms of the team that's been good for years and years and we kind of take them for granted but when the window closes it it suddenly closes quickly and obviously the wild card there is john gibson who, who may be good enough to drag them into the playoffs and and keep them you know, at, at roughly the same level, even if everyone else falls back. But but that is kind of one team where I I, I just feel like within a month or two we're going to be saying, yeah, they they weren't as good as we thought, and and maybe they end up being a team that we're we're not as focused on as we think we might be. Yeah, I mean, we saw last year they you know they're obviously in that first round matchup where they got just brutally swept out of the playoffs by the San Jose Sharks. Like it was, it became uh, very glaring that they weren't very well suited to keep up in, in today's NHL from a speed perspective. And I know in the off season, Bob Murray was saying that they wanted to focus on getting faster and, and all that. And kind of, I, I do feel, I mean, it's self-inflicted obviously, but there wasn't necessarily that much they could do financially in terms of wiggle room. So they kind of brought back most of the same team that they're, they're expecting a couple young guys and in, in Sam Steele and, and uh, Maxime Comtois to step up. And, you know, you've got the Andre Cashers of the world who could, who could move up the lineup and really infuse a bit of that speed into this team. But for the most part, you're right. It's a lot of the same names from last year and it's not the most entertaining hockey to watch. Like I think with John Gibson healthy, and if they can get a full season out of Ryan Getzlaff, like they're going to be a good team, and they're going to be right there in the Pacific Division. But from a watchability perspective, I'm perfectly okay with having them at least somewhere here in the 20s. Okay. Uh, it, the team that I skipped, the team that I have at 26, that kind of closes out my my lower tier, and, and part of me wishes I could move them a little bit higher, but I, I, I think this is about as high as I can go, is the Montreal Canadiens. Another rebuilding team whether they know it or not uh, another team that's not expected to be very good um clearly you got the carry price factor uh i'm i'm curious to to see max domi uh and and see how that plays out there's there's pieces here that that are are fun and and you know when Shea weber does come back he's he's always a guy that's uh, that's fun to watch um but i think again this is another team where the outside stuff and the big picture stuff is a lot more interesting than than the uh, the games themselves oh i agree with that 100 percent. and and last week's show was uh i did a bit of a fantasy preview and i sort of made the point of how they do have a bunch of those guys in domi and druen and the charles Houdons of the world and arturi lekkinen where it's like last year was just horrible luck for them from an offensive perspective and there's a big time regression case to be made for them or at least that they're going to be a bit more effective this season and so up front they do have a lot of those guys that i'm curious to watch a little bit but I there isn't that star power and and for the most part I I can't see myself making a you know strong personal choice to tune into too many Canadians games unless they're playing a team that I'm more interested in watching this season. Yep, sounds sounds good. Um, so were were the Habs the team that uh before we started talking about the Ducks you said you were going to skip? Yeah, that was the team I skipped. So I'm I'm now caught. I think I'm caught up to 22 on my mm. 21 or yeah 21 on my list. Yeah. Um. That sounds about right. So, 
think now is a good time for us to have uh like i have the i have the los angeles kings yep uh that's my next coming team. up here yeah that, I, kinda... next team, it, I, I really want to watch Ilya kovalchuk and see where where he's at mm-hmm. beyond that good team uh you know it, it's it they're they're sort of in that that zone of being a mix of you know some guys that i'm not that interested in and some guys that have been so good for so long i probably take them for granted in, in terms of the kopitars and dowdies and those guys um i you know i they, I, I think they'll be fine uh i i will watch uh occasionally certainly you know just the novelty factor with kovacic being back is is going to be a story early on but i i couldn't i couldn't find a spot any higher on my list for them yeah no they they seem like the perfect candidate for if the nhl ever adopted the idea of a of a red zone type channel where you're just only tuning in for like the end of games and power plays and three on three um i'd watch them because once they have once they load up and you've got kopitar and carter and kovalchuk and dowdy all on the ice at the same time like i I do want to watch that i'm not sure how much i'm tuning in to watch uh kyle clifford throw his body around so yep yeah no you're right and obviously there was a lot of uh a lot of noise made last year about how you know they were going to be they're kind of remake their offensive system and their defense were going to jump up a lot more and they were going to be much more exciting to watch offensively and creative and there was a little bit of that but i do feel like it was kind of a bit of a overly convenient narrative that people just went along with and as the year went along they kind of went back to their old ways and i don't yeah when the top guys aren't on, on the ice i'm not necessarily uh tuning in to watch the kings so i kind of lump them to this tier with the blackhawks and the ducks as those teams from a handful of years ago that were great that um now just based on sort of how the aging cycle goes in the nhl or on the downswing yep uh i've got 18 19 and 20 i've got a group of three teams that are that are sort of a I, maybe we can talk about as a group because it's three teams that are all young not necessarily expected to be good but but might be and and have some exciting players i've got uh 20 arizona 19 New York Islanders, eighteen Buffalo Sabers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get into all those. Let's okay. Let's start with yeah. Arizona first. I don't know if, if if they're in in sort of the same zone for you or if they're spread out. I mean, to me, Arizona. I'm I'm like a lot of people. I I, I look at the young talent and I go, they they've got to be a team that at some point moves up. And if if there's, and, and you know, to some extent, this is I could say the same thing for the Sabers where you know thought they were going to be thought both teams were going to be good last year and then they got off to bad starts especially in arizona's case and and it, the season was another write-off and uh the pieces are there and and you sort of feel like i i think after last year everyone's trying to figure out okay who's going to be the next new jersey or the next colorado that doesn't just move up a couple of spots but moves all the way up and jumps into a playoff race and both of those teams feel like they could be there um you know and and, and good young players that are are fun to watch and uh you know, and and then the Islanders a little bit different situation because I, I feel like people are really split there. Obviously, you know, losing Tavares is is huge. Some of the stuff Lula Morello does is, is is very curious, and yet there's some indication they could be better. And and the Matthew Barzell factor has you know moves them up out of the out of the lower tier almost almost on its own. Um, so I I mean I could almost move those three teams around in any order, but uh, the, the this is this is where they wound up for me. Yeah, no, I think um, lumping those teams makes a lot of sense. With the Islanders, um, if you could tell me, if you guaranteed me that, obviously I'm going to have John Tavares, but if their games are going to follow a similar uh, tenor to what they did last year, like I feel very confident confident bumping them way up this list because they were just, 
I, I feel like I watched so many Islanders last games last year, and maybe they go against your uh, train wreck theory. But they had enough offensive talent themselves where it wasn't purely a train wreck. It was just kind of this just unhinged uh, lack of defensive effort from both parties whenever anyone was playing them. It's hopefully Barry Trotz, and listen, they might be more effective because of it, but hopefully from a watchability perspective, um, he kind of doesn't suck the fun out of out of that by really trying to shore things up too much defensively, and I'm sure he will, but I don't know with, with the talent they have on this team how capable he's going to be of actually accomplishing that, and it's going to be a pretty uphill sledding compared to what he had last year in Washington, but... You're right. Uh, Matthew Barzell is one of those guys. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable putting him in that tier with the uh, with the McKinnons and, and the Halls that we mentioned earlier from a, a watchability perspective. So he's must-watch television. And, and I do have certain guys here that are exciting to watch. The the Sabres, I wanted to... I desperately wanted to bump them up this list higher because, you know, whether it's Eichel or Dahlin or even Casey Middlestad, they have so many young guys now that... I, especially early in the year, like I, I feel like they're going to be must-watch for hockey fans just to kind of get a feel for what they're going to be capable of this season. Um, but once you get into some of these other teams that have more of those guys and are going to be better as a collective, like it's tough to move them too hard, too far up this mm-hmm. list. But considering we're getting into the teens here and, and the Buffalo Sabres are on this list, I feel like uh, you know their fans are going to be pretty excited about that. I mean, and again, the Sabres, uh, you know, I keep coming back to it, but they're another great example of the team where the the interest factor for me in the in the team and the season is much higher than than maybe it is at, at the individual game level because i i feel like i look at this team and i'm going this has to be the year it has to click this year because what the hell happens if it doesn't if, if they start off with another october where you know they get to the end of the month and they're already six points out of the playoffs i mean what the hell do you do now because i mean you know it's certainly a, a coaching change would be would be an option but you know, uh, it it feels like you need more than that. I mean, that it feels like the fans in Buffalo are are, uh, you know, they they deserve more than 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 what they've had for this team. And how many times can you kind of put the football down and then yank it away uh, once the season starts? So I'm 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 very very interested to see how their season goes. I I just uh, you know it's it's more of a bigger picture thing for me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, their fan base deserves it. It's whenever I say anything nice about them on this podcast, it like winds up being on all these Sabres fan message threads, and they get into these wild conversations about it. And I love it. I mean, the enthusiasm there. You, you see the ratings on NBC every year in the postseason. Like yeah. Buffalo's always pacing it, so they're uh, they're craving I, it right now. And, and I love Sabres fans, and and I'm and part of this is also me being selfish because I've said this before, but as a Leafs fan, if the Leafs and Sabres are ever good at the same time, especially mm-hmm. with good young teams, yep. look out that rivalry will shoot to the top of the list in the league. I mean, that, that is going to be, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's insane when both teams are bad and there's the games are meaningless and still, you know, half, half the building is lead fans and half is, is Sabres fans. And it's, and the games are, are all sorts of fun. If, if they ever, I mean, guy, if they ever met in the playoffs, turn out the lights, it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be something else. So, yeah, I, uh, I co-signed that. Um, in this next tier, I lumped uh, similar to how we did uh, with like the Sabres and the Isles and the Coyotes in terms of these uh, sort of emerging teams that have a bunch of young guys but might not necessarily be that good. I have on my next tier a couple teams that are going to be good, like their bubble playoff teams might even actually make the playoffs, but 
I don't, I'm not overwhelmed or necessarily kind of thrilled by the uh, the start level talent they have in terms of watching them on a night to night basis. And like the one of the teams that I have here is the Calgary Flames, for example, where I do like the top of their roster quite a bit, um, but I just had trouble moving them further up this list just because there were teams I like more. Yeah, I I've got the Flames at eleven, mm, which is which is higher. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. Again, partly just this a lot of talent, a lot of guys that are fun to watch. Johnny Gaudreau would would be near the top of that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Smith is fun to watch. I you know I for for both good and bad sometimes. Sometimes yes. he's more fun than than Flames fans might want him to be. Uh, but uh, I yeah I I mean I, I I don't think there's a lot of separation between some of these these other teams i have them ahead of mm-hmm. um but i yeah i'm i'm looking forward to uh to to seeing uh, seeing the flames this year so yeah no i i mean i had them here with like uh my list. i had them here with the panthers where do you have uh where do you have the florida panthers yeah i had the panthers uh down at uh 15 mm. so again uh, yeah that's similar sort of team i i've i've made this prediction in a few spots where i i think the panthers the panthers are the one team in the whole league where it feels like everybody agrees on where they're going to be they're going to finish fourth in the atlantic because there's the big three right toronto boston tampa and then there's the four teams that are all going to be anywhere from bad to completely terrible and the panthers are going to finish fourth and it's just a question of whether that's a wild card fourth or or not and i think they could be better i think they could be i think they break into that top three and and maybe pass one of those teams um so i i like you know i, I like the panthers this year I, I think they should be uh should be fun to watch but still you know i wound up kind of middle of the pack with them wow that's uh that was a that was a take and a half that's top three usually you think um which i'm assuming you're, you think you're thinking <laughs> well, see, the, that's the boston bruins you, are the team they're gonna pe- people will notice that whenever i make that prediction i yeah. don't actually name a team yeah. that i think they're gonna they're, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be I'm, I'm trying to make a go on a limb and yet be, leave myself as much uh uh wriggle room as i can yeah i mean uh, at number one in atlantic you got the tampa bay leafs and then at number two you got the boston saber uh, boston bruins and then you've got the uh florida panthers at third it's uh, absolutely that's, it that's yeah. it um yeah, no, I mean, there's obviously, I guess the argument for the Panthers here, um, and, and you, you laid out a bunch of it, is also the fact that they seem very comfortable just completely riding those top guys. So, you know, when we're talking about the Los Angeles Kings, for example, and I'm like, oh, well, I want to watch their top line, but that's about it. I don't know how much those guys are necessarily going to play. With the Panthers, it's like either Barkov or Trocek is pretty much going to be on the ice at all times, and... We don't necessarily, especially towards the end of last year, it's like you can just kind of forget that bottom six, especially the bottom line. So if they're going to be playing their top guys a ton, um, then they're obviously going to become immensely watchable and kind of enter that top 15 where as where you had them, whereas on my list I have them more in like the 17 range. But it's obviously kind of nitpicking pretty, at this point. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, the Dallas Stars I had coming up yeah. here, and the talent suggests they should be higher and maybe – I need to watch like one regular season game with them, and all of a sudden, I might feel very comfortable um, flip flopping here and moving them up quite a bit. I just want to—I'm not sure what they're going to look like under Jim Montgomery's system, but I'm a bit scarred based on what Ken Hitchcock's system did yep. to them last year. I'm—I'm I'm, yeah. I'm in exactly the same boat. I had them next on my list, and I am—I'm—I'm kind of like, you know, the the spurned X here because I would have over the last two to four years ago i would have had them 
if not number one on my list, way up high. Uh, and then they went and hired Ken Hitchcock, and and he kind of dealt them up a little bit. So I'm I'm I got I got burned by that, uh, but I'm I'm willing to go higher if they if they can earn it back. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the names here, like, they should be so much more fun, right? Like, they've got obviously up front, um, whether they load up that top line or not with, with Sagan, Ben, and Radulov, that's as, as fun of a line as there is in the league. And now they have Val Nachushkin coming back, and I'm curious to see what he looks like. You know, there's a lot of buzz about uh, Jason Spezza having one last kind of bounce-back season here. I mean, you've got John Klingberg, Meryl Heiskanen's going to be making the team this year. Like, there's there's so much to look forward to, but until I see them actually embrace it and go back to playing a bit more of that up-tempo style that they played in like 2014-15, I'm not comfortable moving them further past this list. So they're in here, but I mean, we're getting into the top half of the league now. So I mean, at this point, we're getting into the teams that are definitely going to be appointment viewing for the most part. Um, Was there anyone... So obviously you had the the Flames and the Panthers a bit higher than I did. What were a couple of things that I leapfrogged? Yeah, I mean, I've got the Panthers 15 and then stars sabers islanders down there the one team we've we've skipped is my 16 team which i had a really hard time placing and just ended up dropping right in the middle of my list it's the carolina hurricanes mm-hmm. um I, i'm you know i i feel like we could take the clip from any of the last four or five seasons and play it for the carolina hurricanes <laughs> the pieces are there good yeah. young talent if the goaltending holds up this should be the year uh, and, and I've actually, you know, I, I have made this point a couple of times in the Carolina hurricanes and I have to phrase it carefully because if I, if I'm sloppy with how I say this, people are going to hear it and they're going to freak out. But th- th- there's pieces of where, when you look at where the Carolina hurricanes are right now, there's a lot of similarities to how we were all talking about the Winnipeg jets this time last year. Mm-hmm. And that's not me saying that I think the Hurricanes are going are as good as the Jets. That's not me saying I think the Hurricanes are going to suddenly become a 115-point team and, and go to the conference final and all that. But my, my point is that when you look at the Jets, we, whenever it comes to predicting what's going to happen, we, there's so much revisionist history that goes on and there's so much hindsight bias that jumps in. And a team like the Jets, right now, we go, yeah, of course they were going to be good. Look at that. They're stacked with all that talent. Of course— they were going to make that leap into the top tier. But a year ago, we didn't know that. And it wasn't, of course. It was, when's it going to happen? And when's it all going to click? And is it all going to click? And do they even have the right people making the decisions? And I think the Hurricanes are a team that could, and I'll underline the could, uh, could see that sort of jump. So I'm 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 very ready to move this team far up my list, uh, especially with new coach, new-ish GM, um, you know, all of those pieces in place. I think there's a lot of uh, possibility here uh, for things to change maybe more dramatically than they typically do for for these sorts of teams. Or there's also the possibility that, once again, we all think this team's going to be better than they are and they end up being, like, the 18th best team in the league for the for the fifth year in a row and, and we go back to square one next year. No, 100%. I mean, yeah, you laid out the case great there. Uh, it, with the new coach, I'm curious to see whether... Part of it was Bill Peters' system or whether um, it was the goaltending itself. And obviously, if they can get even something resembling league average season from the combination of Scott Darling and, and Petr Mrazek, um, I think the sky's the limit for this team. The the skater talent itself is 
honestly scintillating. Like there's there's so much talent here with you know you're putting a Svechnikov into this lineup to go along with Aho and Tara Vinen and Martin Ekash and I mean you go on down the list. We're not even getting to you know Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams are still effective and fun to watch. I mean and then the blue line where they can they're one of the few teams in this league during a time where I do think there is a shortage of um, competent defensemen in the league that they have hoarded uh, a solid three pairs where regardless of who's in the ice they're going to be fun to watch and effective so it really does kind of not to oversimplify come down to the goaltending and there's a very strong case there to be made that, that they're going to be this year's Winnipeg Jets I don't know if they're going to be that good but um, definitely like it seems like this is the year that they're going to bounce back into the postseason and, and completely ignore uh, everything that I've said for the past four seasons about them because uh, I basically regurgitated the same words over and over. Every year, <laughs> it's it's cut and paste. Um, yeah, so we're into uh, we're into the top 13 here, and I, I was looking at it, and this is I think this is the cutoff point where we get into the teams where like I'm, I'm really excited to watch all these teams for one reason or another, and obviously towards the top, there's like four or five that are truly elite, but otherwise, like all of these teams... Um, are immensely redeemable and, and are going to be really fun. Yeah. Who do you so? Who do you have? Um, because we pretty much at this point do have a lot of the same teams still left. Um, yeah. Who's the I'm, team? I'm, that's I'm at the, I'm at 14 on my list because okay. I, I do have Calgary a little bit higher than you do. 14 mm-hmm. for me. Boston Bruins, really good team, j- just super competent, super, uh, you know, good, good players. Uh, some some of which are a lot of fun to watch, some of which are good partly because they're less fun. Uh, you know, like a, a guy like Patrice Bergeron is is absolutely, to, to my mind, as crazy as this sounds, still underrated in the league uh, for as good as he is. That doesn't always translate into making the games more interesting because, you know, you, he's he's the guy who's going to go out and shut down your team's number one center uh, and 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 have him uh, take him out of the out of the uh out of the play you know i like the bruins a lot i I just can't work them any higher partly because they're just you know like i say just too it's it's such a good competent well-built team um you know that they're I, i i can't actually move them up much higher than that uh and then 13 for me is is another team that maybe fits into this category a little bit wider range of possibilities i think um, but I've got the St. Louis Blues uh, uh, one one notch higher um, because again I, I think this is a good team. I think there's maybe a more interesting team big picture because Doug Armstrong has very clearly pushed some chips into the middle and said this team needs to be better than than a bubble playoff team. Uh, so uh, you know I, I think that's going to make them interesting. But uh, yeah, I, I've I've got I've got those two teams. Um, a little lower than than maybe I I would have thought when I started making this list. I I just couldn't find spots higher for them. Yeah, no, I I had the Bruins thirteen, and um, you're right. I think that top line with uh, with Pasternak and Marchand is is incredible to watch, and with McAvoy and even Krug, and you know, just I, I feel like we've been watching them for so long at this point, and it feels like your eyes should be uh, accustomed to it and trained to it. But at the same time, like I don't know if you feel this, but it's still amazing what just seeing Zidane Ochara out on the ice with his reach does. Like it's it's still so jarring at this point, even though we've seen it so many times. Just it's still a bit of a spectacle for me to watch him do his thing, especially in the penalty kill where he doesn't really need to move, and it seems like he's covering like two or three guys at the same time. So yeah, no, there's there's definitely pieces there to watch, and they're obviously going to be uh, one of the top teams in the league, but some of that effectiveness might sap some of the the fun out of watching them, whereas 
three teams that I have lumped together ahead of them in um, the Blues, as you mentioned. The Blue Jackets and Vegas um, are kind of teams where the collection of talent is just so intriguing to me that I think from a watchability perspective, I'm going to want to watch them because there's like a solid three lines on all of those teams where whenever they're on the ice, I'm going to want to be seeing how what they're doing and, and how effective they are. Yeah, I, I have the Blue Jackets at uh, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I you know I've said this before and I've written this before I I have I think the Blue Jackets for me have the widest range of possible outcomes on the uh, in the entire league right now uh, if if a time traveler appeared in front of me right now and said I'm I'm gonna tell you what happened with the Blue Jackets uh, uh, and he told me they'd win a Stanley Cup I go yeah that that doesn't that doesn't shock me if he said it the whole thing just becomes a total train wreck and Panner and Bobrovsky salt through the season and don't want to be there and Tortorella blows up and the Seth Jones injury ends up being a bit and they they bought him out totally I I could see that happening too so I'm the Blue Jackets might be the most interesting team in the league to me big picture um that should probably translate to to being maybe a little higher on the list than I was able to get them but uh that's I I I ended up having them in in 10th I have the Golden Knights fourth I still the the novelty hasn't worn off for me. I, I still think, <laughs> yep. and I say that being very aware that this team may take a big step back. Um, but I just you know the, the 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 novelty factor, the crowds, the crazy pregame ceremonies, the uh, the fact that this team is is an expansion team that instead of coming in and saying let's shut it down and be boring and try to win two one, opened it up and and speed and skill and and everything, and the fact that they've added pieces. Um, I'm I'm. I'm I'm in. I'm I'm on board with these guys. I want I want to watch them. Yeah, I was thinking like, if, if you're telling me Vegas home games, I'd be like, oh yeah, they're they're they're, they're top five for me. And then I was like, but on the road, they're wearing those what there's those swanky white gloves. So I think uh, yeah. you, you know what there's a, there's a case to be made for both their home and road games. And you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Patrick looks on that team. I think he's going to have a monster bounce back season. And I, I feel like I guess maybe having them and I have them at tenth, so it's not like I'm down on them by any means. But I, it, it is a bit of an emotional hedge for that regression. But at the same time, um, part of what's going to make them watchable this year is I really do want to see how uh, opposing coaches spent their off season game planning for them and trying to figure out how to slow them down because it was very clear that they just had no, um, they had no kind of bounce back or or, or, or or defensive tactic against their speed and their transition game and sort of what they were throwing at opposing teams last year and now that you know we know NHL coaches typically like to suck the fun out of games and make them as slow and boring as possible and as as few events happening as, as possible so um, I'm I'm very curious to see whether they're going to have um, a adequate defense for that and then if so kind of if the chess match starts and what adjustments Gerard Gallant and the Vegas Golden Knights themselves make so you're right there's a lot of watchability there I just think that some of the other teams I had I liked them a little bit more but they're right there and with the Blue Jackets I don't know how you feel about this but they're getting into that annoying tier for me now of every time I talk about them there's going to be at least a couple idiots out there who go oh you know wake me up when they win a playoff round or something like that and and I know that you wrote about uh last year after Ovechkin won the cup about sort of who the next player is that it's going to take that mantle of being the yeah but guy and the Blue Jackets are kind of taking the mantle as that team where it's like regardless of how much success they have in the regular season now everyone's going to be like oh well 
you know, let's see them beat the Pittsburgh Penguins in a series first before we give them credit. And it's that's those are two very yeah. separate uh, thoughts. Like you can enjoy they what they're doing in the regular season while also acknowledging that they might not necessarily beat Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in a playoff series. Yeah, well, I mean, when this, especially when you know playoff series are as much a coin flip as they are. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, th- this uh, still still never won a playoff series, and and but you know, to me, the flip side is that in a sense makes them more interesting because there's a sense of urgency there and there's a you know a sense of like hey i mean if not now then when and if if it is if it isn't now and we have to take a step back i mean how many times can you step back uh without rewarding uh your 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 fans um before something big has to change and you know i don't know i i I think they're going to be a real good team this year. I, I mean, you know, in my range of possibilities, I lean much more towards the positive than the negative. Um, but there's also a chance that John Tortorella is, you know, strangling one of his players on the bench uh, <laughs> four games in. And, and especially, you know, what out of the gate, it's always fun with them because they've had so many seasons that started with optimism and got torpedoed by just terrible starts. Uh, that, you know, we always say, you know, it's, oh, geez, it's three games in, don't panic. Columbus is kind of one of those places where it's like, oh, maybe you should panic. You start off 0-3, man, maybe you do panic because you've been down this road before and you know how quick 0-3 turns into 2-7 and and then your whole season's scrapped. Yeah, no, I mean, the worst thing you can be in this league is is mediocre or irrelevant, and it feels very unlikely that they're going to be that this season. Like, either things are going to go great and they're going to have an awesome season and we're going to watch them kind of go all in and try to make a push with this team or things are going to completely unravel and all of a sudden, if you've got Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky as potential trade trips in season, all of a sudden, uh, things could go really interesting in a completely different direction. Um, The top 10 here, so we're getting in there now. I have the three... um, I have the three teams in the Metro lumped together here in the Flyers, Capitals, and Penguins, and I couldn't really decide on an order, so I just did lump them together. Um, yeah. I, I actually had the Flyers 12, which mm-hmm. is the the flight When I first sat down to kind of do this, the Flyers were one of the teams where I was like, oh, they're definitely going to be top 10. Right. And I ended up pushing them down to 12, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not really thrilled with that. I think there's a, a strong case for them to be higher than that. Uh, I had the penguins nine i had the capitals seven so kind of kind of the same as you yeah. uh, a little bit more spread out um you know the penguins just the sheer talent on that team especially up front will always be watchable and we've talked about some teams where it's like one loaded line and then you can kind of take your eyes off the game whereas the, the the penguins uh if if they keep rolling their lines the way they do you i mean there's there's an elite forward on the ice for basically you know 80 percent of the game uh, and then the cat, I mean, the, the defending champs, uh, you know, obviously it's going to be, it'll be fun just to kind of see what level they can, they can maintain. Ovechkin's one of those to this day remains one of those can't take your eyes off them guys. Uh, and, and certainly the other pieces and, and is, you know, cause Netsov has kind of already made the leap, but can he leap even further and, and really definitively join that top tier of forwards? Uh, and, and if so, what does that do to a, you know, a team that, uh, you know, it potentially extends their window uh so yeah i had to set seven seven nine and twelve um but but yeah all all very very watchable teams well yeah with the penguins and capitals at this point it's kind of self-explanatory i feel like we don't necessarily need to like it's like yeah ovechkin and crosby i uh, i want to watch those guys as much as possible with the flyers there is this weird like 
combustibility element with him at all times where from a game to game basis from a week to week from a month to month where you know we saw last year they're just like ripping off massive winning streaks followed by losing streaks and now yep. we throw gritty into the mix and all of a sudden best, you best know, mascot in the league there's just ton so much of, going ton on of talent yeah. can score a bunch mm-hmm. goaltending eh, maybe not yes you know maybe, maybe this ends up being the team that's winning every game six to five or uh you know maybe not i i kind of threw out in my piece today that if if there's we don't usually see teams trade for starting goaltenders once the season starts but if if there was going to be a team that was really good everywhere except in net and you needed a a gm who happens to be a former goalie himself to say you know what i got a shot at a cup right now let's go out and get a top name uh man they they could be they they could they could be they're they're fun to watch big picture and little picture it's Mm -hmm. uh i i like the flyers a lot this year yeah, 100%. Um, at sixth, I have the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, which is like the, the biggest testament to Connor McDavid possible yep. because... That's it. I've, I've got him eighth, and it's yeah. it's the Connor McDavid factor. Uh, it's almost almost entirely for, for Connor McDavid, who is just, uh, to, to my mind, not just the most interesting player to watch right now. He, he, he is very close to being the most interesting player i you know i think to watch in the last 10 20 years in the nhl more than Sidney crosby more than some of other some of the other guys like mm-hmm. it, you just the the chances of him doing something that just just drops your jaw is is you know starting to feel higher and higher every every year yeah no i mean every time he hops over the boards there's a very high probability of you witnessing greatness and it's like a spectacle to watch him do his thing on the ice at this point just what he's capable of with the speed and skill and i if you told me you had edmonton oilers at number one on this list i'd be like i disagree but i can't fault you for it because if you're just gonna go from it from the perspective of like i just i need to watch every single second of Connor McDavid games this year because there's nothing like him in the league. I'd be like, you know what? Fair enough. That uh, and that makes and sense. the Oilers are an interesting team too because again, mm-hmm. they're another one of these teams that uh, you know. What happens if it starts bad? Uh, you know, if they have a bad October, I I don't think anything's off the table as far as as players, coaches, GMs, everything. Uh, so you know, there's going to be that element as as there there is that sense of urgency every game, or at least there should be. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's mostly just, just Connor McDavid. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough that I, I saw Wayne Gretzky in his prime and I saw Merrill Lemieux in his prime. So I, I'm not going to go crazy and, and start saying that Connor McDavid is the most entertaining player I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. but he's, he's in the conversation already. And, and I can't wait to see where it goes, uh, as, as he gets uh, a little more experience in the league. Yeah. I mean, I'm old enough to have seen Jonathan Chichu and Danny Heatley in their prime. So, uh. There you go. I remember very, the, uh, very similar. Simpler times, yes. Um, okay, so my top five here in some order is the Predators, Sharks, Leafs, Lightning, and Jets. Yep, we, and I, I have them in my top six with, with the Golden yeah. Knights right. uh, in there. And I, I had, uh, you know, I've got I've got the Leafs five, Lightning six. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're, we're into the territory now where I don't think there's a lot to choose from, yeah, so I've kind of got those, yeah. those two Atlantic teams grouped together. Um, you know, Leafs a little bit higher, just the the Tavares factor, and and you know that this that that you've got kind of this novelty of seeing this guy that you, you in some sense never thought you'd see in another uniform, and and here he is going to the hometown team, and the Lightning, obviously, I mean, just so stacked with talent, uh, so good everywhere that uh, you know, I, I, again, it, it, 
drop in at any point in the game, any scenario, there's going to be all world talent on the ice for this team. And, uh, it, you know, they, they, they should be all sorts of fun. Yeah. I've got the predators five. I've got the lightning four. I've got the Leafs three. And then I've got, uh, the jets number two and the sharks number one. All right, so we agreed on number one because I are have, we overrating I, it just based on recency factor? Like, just I guess probably. that's part of this, right? Where it's like yeah, I, we want to watch Eric Carlson and Sharks. You know? Yep, yep. I, I I think certainly we we are, and and maybe a month in we'll kind of say okay, we've seen how he how he fits in, uh, but but now we want to go back to watching the the Predators and Jets and Leafs. Um, but you know, for now, yeah, I mean the the Sharks are the the one kind of can't miss team, and not just because they have a new guy and you want to see how he fits in, but we've, it, it's been a very long time since we've seen a team have two Norris caliber defensemen on the roster at the same time. And I, I wrote a piece about this in the summer when it looked like we were going to potentially see that situation in Tampa where, where Tampa had emerged as the leading contender to get Eric Carlson and, uh, and, and potentially put him on the roster with Victor Hedman. And when you look at the cases in the last 20 30 years where this has happened first of all there's not that many and second of all almost all of those teams won stanley cups mm-hmm. uh so you know when you look at chelios and lidstrom when you look at pronger and niedermeyer uh when you look at stevens and niedermeyer like those sorts of pairings uh and and, and when i say pairings i mean i'm talking two guys on the roster not necessarily playing together but but when you have two guys like that it turns into a stanley cup and and when you you factor that in with some of the talent up front joe thornton's just i'm, I'm such a joe thornton guy mm-hmm. um i just enjoy watching him so much even as he's hit a point in his career where he's obviously not the same player he once was um i i'm just really interested to watch this team uh and see where they can go with it and yeah man, you know a month from now we might go uh we were overreacting a bit but this is we, we're doing the rankings now we're not doing them a month from now and right now san jose's topping my list so who do you have number two? Did you have the Jets as well? I had the Predators two mm-hmm. and the Jets three. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, flip, flip a coin between those two teams. That that the Central it, it should be so so interesting. And, and man, I I I know that we always we it's it's the same thing kind of with the Leafs and the Lightning. We always say, oh, I can't wait to see these teams in the playoffs. And then just eighty two games later, something completely different has happened, and you don't right. see it. But man, I would love to see the Predators and the Jets. Uh, uh, go again in a in a playoff series because uh, you know the 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 Jets are, are so so stacked up front. Patrick Laney is going to be going to be just all sorts of fun to watch this year. I, mm-hmm. I feel like this is the year that the torch kind of gets passed and he becomes the the new Ovechkin, even as the old Ovechkin is is still kicking around. <laughs> the old Ovechkin uh, still the new Ovechkin. And then and then you know and then the Predators. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge PK Subban guy and. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the the fact that even even though they've got the reigning Vezina winner, do, do we really feel confident about their goaltending, or is it maybe a situation where they've got to win a few four three games? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think um, you know I I ended up not intentionally, but I you know I ended up with kind of a, a West heavy top four, uh, and uh, I, I I do think we're past the days where the West was the good conference and the East was the bad one, but I I think the the most exciting and interesting teams for me are western teams this year right and i think obviously so for you if, if we lump the the vegas Golden knights into this kind of top six here the, the the common uniting theme here is just the, the sort of relentless pace and speed that all these teams can play with 
up and down Pace, the lineup. speed, scoring, yeah. you know, and, and, and I know I, I've been banging this drum for years, and, and I, I know that there are hockey fans out there who love a good one nothing game. Uh, hey, one nothing end to end is is the best kind of hockey you can have. But most of the one nothing games in the NHL these days are are not that. They are slogs. They're terrible. They're blocked shots and lucky bounces and neutral zone turnovers and and it's and it's unwatchable. And I you know I want teams that are have the skill, aren't afraid to use it. And you know that to me there's there's nothing more fun than a hockey game between two skilled teams that kind of look each other in the eye and go, you know what? You want to go? Let's go. You know, we're, we're not afraid of you. We're not going to make our whole game plan around slowing you down because we're faster than you. So let's see which one of us can, can, can go faster and let's see who's got more skill and, and let's go head to head. And usually you get a good period of that. And then the coaches freak out and say, we can't do this. Um, but every now and then the, the teams just decide that they're going to, they're just going to go kind of, throw down and uh, that's yeah. that's to me where this sport hits the level where you're sitting there going there's there's nothing else in the world that's like this yeah and it's up and down up and down the lineup as well right like even i feel like most teams in this league at this point like the top six did kind of embrace like okay you know the top end of our roster needs to be able to play this certain way but there's still that kind of traditional uh prevailing logic about the bottom six especially the bottom line where it's like you slow it down a little bit and you grind it out. Whereas with all of these teams, we've seen that up and down all three pairs, all four lines can play the same way. And it's, it's breathtaking to watch. And I'll take it one step further. You were talking about the, uh, the predators and the jets and needing to see that rematch. If we just see that entire Western conference, uh, second round with, uh, with Vegas and San Jose representing the Pacific, I'd be perfectly okay with that as well. It seems like yep. that, that, that top four would be really, really fun to watch again. And, and how much fun would it be, and, and I mean, I, I hate to even say it because we know it's the NHL. It's not going to happen this way. But I, I mean, imagine we had San Jose, Nashville or San Jose, Winnipeg in one conference final. And you had you know, Washington or a Pittsburgh against a Toronto or a Tampa and just talent and speed. And let's go and let's play four or three games in the playoffs. And then what would that do to the rest of the league? Because we know this is a copycat league where teams look around and go, OK, well, this is how we play now to actually have some teams kind of open it up and uh you know I'm, I'm not sure even as a Leafs fan I'm not sure I trust the Leafs in that group because it's Mike Babcock and you know he's the one guy that I could see right sitting there going no we can't do this we can't win 4-3 it's got to be 2-1 and, and and try to do it that way but um yeah I mean it's it's I, I almost I feel like I've been burned enough times that I shouldn't even get my hopes up but it's hard not to because there is there there are a lot of teams in the league right now that is currently constructed, if they wanted to, uh, could really go go guns blazing and, and turn it into a, a, a really fun product to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, sign me up. If you get a uh, petition going, I'll definitely fill it out. I'm very excited about that, and uh, let's hope it happens in this this, uh, this spring. Um, Sean, let's uh, let's get out of here. Plug some stuff. What uh, what are you up to these days? I'm uh, I'm at the Athletic these days, so uh, if if you have not subscribed, please uh, please do so. You will find all of my uh, written content there uh, this season, and I have a book coming out at the end of the month. It's the Down Goes Brown History of the NHL. It is a uh, as the name would imply, a look back through the entire history of the NHL, all 100 plus years, uh, but with an emphasis on kind of the the, the weird and strange and unusual stories that. Uh, even if you're a diehard fan, you may not have heard, or maybe you've heard in passing, or maybe, you know, you, somebody mentioned it to you once and you weren't sure if that actually happened or not. Um, it's, it's sort of that, that, that view 
um, where, you know, let's, let's find the fun stuff that maybe at the end of the day, didn't decide a Stanley cup or, or didn't even matter all that much, but, but just, uh, caught, caught your eye as a fan. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's coming out at the, at the end of the month. People can pre-order now. Um, and, and I think, I think people will like it. I think if you're interested in history or you, you've got people, you're looking for Christmas gifts for people who are, who are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, I, I do think people will enjoy it cause it's a, it, it's got everything in there, but it's, it's designed to be a light read and, um, you know, nobody, nobody wants to read a history textbook. So, um, it's, it, and, and certainly if you've read my stuff over the years, you know, that that's not the kind of approach that I would take. So I hope people check that out too. Well, it's going to be a must-read, I'm sure. You're a must-follow on Twitter. And uh, hopefully this episode of the PDO cast was a must-listen for everyone out there. So um, thanks for taking the time to chat. And let's uh, hopefully get you back on the show as the season gets going. Sounds great. And I can't wait to hear from all the people who think I ranked their team <laughs> two spots too low. Send all of your hate mail to at down goes brown. Uh, thanks, Sean. Let's talk soon. All right. Thanks, man. Cheers. Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockeypediocast. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. There's so much going on in Latin America. Literalmente llegan a morir porque todo, absolutamente todo está colapsado. La cantidad de derrames es impresionante, es algo colosal. In El Hilo, we help you understand the most important stories from across the region. Es necesario que los trabajadores precarizados nos organicemos, nos unamos. Nos empezaron a decir que nadie sabía dónde estábamos, que ya no le íbamos a contar. Listen to El Hilo every Friday morning on Acast, Spotify or your favorite podcast app. A cash recommends. <laughs>